the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. And a good morning to you. Thank you so very much for being with us as we get started at 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Wednesday. It's the 14th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Coming up in about, what are we looking at here, an hour I believe, no, hold on, let me double check my time on this. We're going to talk to Gary Abernathy uh, of the Washington Post. No, actually in a half an hour. Beg your pardon, he's at 9.35. So we're going to be talking to Gary Abernathy, who is a rare Washington Post writer who doesn't have his head firmly lodged between his cheeks. Uh, and I'm not talking about his facial cheeks. Um, Gary Abernathy is a contributing columnist. For the Washington Post, he's actually based in Cincinnati, so we're going Buckeye, uh, Buckeye way here. And uh, he wrote a terrific article, really analyzing this indictment of Donald Trump, and we're going to talk about it with him coming up at uh, uh, at nine thirty-five. At eleven ten, Jack Windsor has got a, a pretty amazing story for us, and we're going to have Jack tell you that one, and we're going to react and respond to that. So we've got two guests: Gary Abernathy and Jack Windsor. And uh, of course, I want you. We need to hear from you a lot today. 
Yesterday was a game changer. The President of the United States, the former President of the United States, the lead polling candidate for the Republican nomination for President of the United States again, uh, was indicted and arraigned on 37 counts, 37 federal charges. And we need to understand the seriousness of this. We need to understand how dangerous this is for, and I'm going to sound like a leftist here, our democracy. The left is always preaching about democracy. Democracy is under attack. Democracy was under attack on January 6th. Democracy was under attack with Russia collusion hoax. Democracy, democracy, democracy. First of all, we are not a democracy. Yes, we do practice democracy in a form. But they're always talking about it. If you are interested or concerned at all in an attack on democracy, then you will be outraged by what is being done to Donald J. Trump. This blatant political persecution and election interference all wrapped up into one big ball of evil um, is, is a genuine threat to democracy. What we have learned about Joe Biden in the last few days is extraordinary. It's extraordinary. When we're talking about corruption at the highest levels of government, the name that should not come to mind is Donald Trump. The name that should come to mind is Joseph R. Biden. When you talk about corruption, when you talk about bribery scandals, when you talk about election interference, when you talk about weaponization of intelligence agencies, when you talk about weaponization of law enforcement agencies, the entirety of the Department of Justice, when you talk about corruption, the name that should be on the tip of your tongue is Biden, not Trump. And what we have learned through audio tapes and the revelation of bribery scandals, the revelation that the Federal Bureau of Investigation has been sitting on all of this information, sitting on it for months, if not the last couple of years, if not a few years, depending on which piece we're talking about. The FBI has been complicit in the corruption of the Biden crime family. They have covered up his crimes. They have buried it. And when called on the carpet with evidence in front of them, they refuse to acknowledge it. My goodness, this country is in dire, dire trouble. Dire straits in deep trouble This country should be flying on this. June 14th, Flag Day, should be flying its flag upside down. We are more than a nation in distress. We are a nation in peril. Our survival is literally at stake. Do not confuse my words this morning with hyperbole or exaggeration. Every single bit of that is as real as it gets. We are talking about the survival of the republic. If the republic 
goes down, it will go down because it refused to hold those in power accountable for the corruption that they practiced in an attempt to stop those who would hold them accountable. I had uh, a leftist friend, uh, acquaintance, used to be friends, but like so many, you know, we could probably have a show on this. Friendships we've lost, family relationships that have gone sour, maybe nobody talks to each other anymore, maybe extended family, maybe immediate nuclear family. In some cases, parents have lost all contact with their kids, particularly when their kids were indoctrinated in their colleges and universities. They come back and are unrecognizable, and they see their parents as being the problem, and that leftism and cultural Marxism and D.I.E. are the solutions. This irredeemably racist and oppressive country, many times it's parents and their own kids, but generally speaking, so many millions of Americans have had friendships, relationships, family uh, ties fractured, if not broken forever, because of political disagreements. So I had a, an acquaintance message me. I used to be, I would have probably considered more of a friend years ago. And said, you know, this defense that the conservatives and the Republicans are using for Trump, it's, uh, it's, it's bullcrap, he said. He said, their defense is, well, so did Hillary and so did Biden. Well, how is that a defense? That's like saying... To a police officer who pulls you over for speeding, going 70 and a 55, and your defense being, other cars did it too. Well, he's not going to let you out of the ticket for saying, I was keeping up with traffic and the other cars were going just as fast as I was. They're going to say, yeah, but I caught you. So the rest of the traffic and the rest of the vehicles mean nothing. So this was his point to me. It was a pretty interesting voicemail, is what it was. Um, And I pondered that for just a second or two. But it only took a second or two to come up with the the immediate and, and, and accurate and correct response to that. Police officers who are running radar along the side of the road and seeing cars buzzing by and pointing their little laser button at one of the vehicles, and it's random, you just, oh, I got that one. Sure, there might have been others, but I can't pull them all over at the same time. So I'm going to pull over someone who is speeding by me, and hopefully others will see that and slow down, which is kind of the point. And if federal prosecutors and special counsels like Jack Smith had been stationed along the side of the road just to look for and root out corruption and pick somebody at random to to bust for that corruption, um, we might have a, a, a decent comparison. It, it might be analogous to what we're talking about here with this speeding ticket story, but that isn't that isn't the way it happened, is it? You see... The police officer running radar by the side of the road wasn't in a helicopter over top of that particular driver's home, waiting, monitoring, 
waiting for him to leave, and then following him and radioing down to patrol cars. He turned right on Elm. He turned left on Main. Following every single motion and movement that that individual made, waiting for them to commit an infraction, waiting for something that they could use to write him up. That's what it would be like if this situation were to be truly comparative to say that a person who gets a speeding ticket doesn't get to say other people sped, so therefore you have to let me go. That would be the only way it would be analogous because they don't do that. They don't follow drivers around via helicopter, waiting in their ho- over top of their homes for them to leave so that they can track them, P- particularly and specifically targeting them for uh, investigation and hopefully catching them committing an infraction. That is what it would have to be like for this to be comparative to the Trump situation. They sat in 2015 in helicopters, in, follow my analogy, which was in response to the individual who left me a very, very interesting and, quite frankly, nasty voicemail. But, but follow me through this. They sat in helicopters over top of the Trump mansion, Trump Hotel, Trump Golf Club, everywhere that he was, literally when he started his first run for the presidency. You understand? They started monitoring him immediately, watching him, surveilling him. And then they followed him as soon as he left every single, every single and again, this is in the traffic analogy, every single location he was at and when he left, they followed They're watching every turn, looking for a rolling stop. Find something. And after following him around in 2015 and 2016, waiting for him to to commit a violation and seeing nothing, then they decided, well, we're going to have to make one up. We're going to have to make up an infraction. We're going to have to say that he violated a bunch of traffic laws, so we'll have a reason to stop this guy and get him off the road. And that's what they did. They decided to plant some evidence. They took this fake evidence to a corrupt judge. And they demanded that he be held held on trial for these fake crimes with fake evidence. They demanded that he be held accountable for that which they said he did, even though they could find no evidence of him doing it. And then when he was acquitted, because the fake the, the fake crime and the fake evidence, the planted evidence was discovered, when he was acquitted, they started following him again. Put the helicopters back over top. Let's follow him some more. Waiting for another infraction. Not finding one. Then saying, well... We're going to have to try it again. Let's create another fake allegation with fake evidence. This one led to the first impeachment hoax. Let's manufacture evidence. Let's manufacture crimes that did not happen and put him on trial for his life. And then when he's acquitted again, 
Have we learned our lesson? Should we stop targeting this driver? Nope. Let's put the choppers overhead again. Let's follow his every move. He's going to do something wrong at some point. I guarantee it. And you follow all the way to the phone call. The phone call to Ukraine. The perfect phone call. And yes, I'm going back and forth between the traffic scenario and the actual Trump scenario because they are truly analogous when you, if, you, if, if, if they went down this way. So you follow that one. You say, aha, we got something. He made a phone call or he rolled a stop sign. Let's get him. And so impeachment hoax number two comes down the line. He's acquitted of that one, too, because there was no evidence of corruption, no evidence of illegality, no evidence of of bribery, no evidence of anything whatsoever that they could get him on, so he's acquitted again. And now, this driver is back out there on the roads again, and now he's coming straight for us. We've got to get him. And so they continue to monitor, they continue to follow, they continue to track, they continue to surveil waiting for him to do something wrong. And now, finally, aha! Look at that. A president, protected by the Presidential Records Act, has presidential records in his possession. Not unlike anything numerous other presidents, and even those below the office of president, have had. With them, eh, we work it out. But this guy that we've been monitoring, watching, following, surveilling for seven years now, we're not going to work it out with him. We're going to charge him. We're going to indict him. We're going to destroy him. That's the truth of the situation. Donald Trump didn't just get caught speeding along with a bunch of other speeders and he was picked out randomly to get popped for it. Donald Trump was targeted and followed every step of every way because he was a threat and is dangerous to the individuals who are doing the surveillance. So to my acquaintance that I don't really speak with much, but who left a voicemail telling me that it's uh, the whataboutism defense doesn't work for people in traffic and it shouldn't work for Donald Trump. I want you to chew on that for just a little while. If I'd have tried to save this for a return phone call, the tape would have run out. But understand this. Donald Trump wasn't just popped randomly. Donald Trump was surveilled from the time he left his house. Donald Trump was, was followed. Donald Trump was stalked by those wishing to bust him and to do, so, to do something to destroy him. That's the difference. And that, my friends, is illegal. It is unconstitutional. And ultimately, it's going to be unsuccessful. So I hope that clears it up somewhat. It's 926. As it is Flag Day, let us make sure that we do. We do this every day. Every day is Flag Day here on Always Right Radio because every day we pledge our allegiance to that flag. So I'm going to ask you, friends, to stand up, put your hand on your heart, And join us, face your flag, and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in the type of surveillance and in the type of two-tiered justice practiced by the American left today and the Democrat Party, well, 
you probably should be facing the trans flag instead of the American flag. It's the only one you actually respect. For the rest of us, however, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Don't forget, we've got a Flag Day celebration and event at the Strongsville GOP tonight, 6.30, Harvest Saloon in Strongsville. I will be giving a speech. I hope to see you there. And we'll be back on Always Right Radio. In the age of unreason, always write radio with Bob France and the answer. Today we witness the most evil and heinous abuse of power in the history of our country. Very sad thing to watch. A corrupt sitting president had his top political opponent arrested on fake and fabricated charges of which he and numerous other presidents would be guilty. Right in the middle of a presidential election in which he is losing very badly. This is called election interference and yet another attempt to rig and steal a presidential election. Election interference. Perhaps the most important of all of the elements that we have to discuss and that that will be discovered over the course of the next several weeks in this indictment. Election interference is, is, is maybe the most important. Bringing charges related to the possession of classified documents against a current or former president for anything short of colluding with our enemies or selling them on the black market is unnecessary, unwise, and destructive to democracy. But the biggest downside of indicting Trump is the profound line crossed by a sitting president using or abusing to many millions of people the power of the state to arrest and possibly imprison a political opponent. I think great minds think alike. You just heard from Donald Trump, and the words I just quoted came from Gary Abernathy, uh, who joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, Gary is a contributing columnist for The Washington Post. I really appreciate you joining us here in Cleveland. Gary, thanks so much for your time. How are you, sir? I'm great, Bob. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I'm great. I really, you know, normally I get really, really angry uh, about my local newspaper. I've got a local Lorain County newspaper here that is just basically the Washington Post on on recycle. Uh, they just run, you know, 99% of the left-wing Washington Post articles, and I get mad at it. But I saw one yesterday written by a Washington Post columnist indicting Trump was a mistake. And I read your column, and I said, wow, it is about time. Uh, I was actually glad to see a WAPO article in my local newspaper because it was yours. So, Gary, clearly what President Trump said last night, very similar to what you wrote, that this is not just about um, you know, uh, the mishandling of classified information and potentially putting the country in danger. This is about 2024. This is about stopping the one guy that might be in the way, uh, for, you know, of the leftists to continue what they've done for the first two and a half years of the Biden presidency. This is an election interference case, isn't it? Um, I think the problem is it sure can be perceived that way, Bob. Okay. And, and first I have to real quickly, uh, defend uh, the Post, which I've been writing for for six years. But they, they actually have, on their opinion side, 
a, a number of conservative columnists. In fact, they take a lot of heat for it for their uh, liberal readers. And so uh, really? they're very well, devoted to yeah, well, that. That's good to, to know. Yeah, that's good to know. But I can tell you from up here, I don't subscribe to the Washington Post, but I can tell you from up here looking at the locals, um, 99% of the ones that they choose to run are from, you know, the uh, the, you know, the yeah. left-wing columnists. And that could be, and I can't, I can't speak to what they choose to run up there. Understood. But going back to your question, let me let me bring this up, Bob. I just came. This is from a New York Times just news story when these when these indictments first came down. Here's what the New York Times said. Just look at this news story. It puts the nation in an extraordinary position, given Mr. Trump's standing as the front runner to face President Biden, whose administration will now be seeking to convict his potential rival. And you know that's the problem. That's the perception. Again, to be clear, I don't defend Trump having these documents. I think he should have given them all back when the government first asked for them. I think there's no excuse for that. And, you know, I was someone who was a Trump supporter when he first ran in 2016 and again in 2020. I'm not, I'm not at all happy about his refusal to accept the election results. But when these indictments came down, Bob, my first thought was, oh, my gosh, they filed these indictments. They must have found that he colluded with a foreign country. They must have found that he was trying to financially benefit from these uh, documents somehow. When I read, no, it's pretty much what we've always kind of known all along, I thought, this is not the standard that we should be using to drag the country through this uh, day by day for the next year or so, however however long um, uh, this case might take. You know, Bob, I came across something not just a couple of days ago. People keep saying, well, no one's above the law. We have to treat everybody equally. Prosecutors don't treat anybody equally. They always balance a lot of factors about wh- whether it's local prosecutors there in your local community, whether it's state prosecutors, whether it's federal prosecutors. They obviously balanced a lot of things back in 2016 when deciding whether to charge Hillary or not. You know, James Comey, the FBI director, initially prepared a statement that was going to refer to Hillary being grossly negligent with, with her emails. He changed that to say she was extremely careless. Why? Because grossly negligent is a legal term that really would have required them to bring charges against her. But they obviously used their judgment and decided not to do that. I just think people can disagree. I just think they're using bad judgment and deciding to go forward with, with this document indictment based on what we what they know now. I think uh, I think I agree with almost every word of that. Um, let's go back to the Hillary part of this because this this seems to be the biggest issue for many, even some on the left, but 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 generally everybody on the right. It's not necessarily just about the documents, and it's not just about Donald Trump having the documents. It is the targeting of Donald Trump. The specific look, we fabricated mm-hmm. evidence against him to get a a, 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 a a warrant from the FISA court the first time around because we couldn't find anything he actually did wrong, so we made something up. Yeah. A Accused him of colluding. We fabricated, uh, you know, uh, a charge of uh, of uh, you know uh, bribery by saying that he tried to convince you know the the, the president of Ukraine uh, to dig up dirt on his opponent. You know, we impeached him for that. Every time they can't find something on him, they make something up. And so this is very clearly and directly a targeting of a person because he continues to be a political candidate and thus a threat to you know what, whatever platform or whatever agenda yeah. rather that the other side has. That's the part of this that is the most the most haunting if they can do this to one guy the fbi went to went to yeah the fbi went to social media companies and said hey don't run that hunter biden story basically thank Uh, you could be uh, russian uh, misinformation 
I mean, right. And so, yeah. and so the FBI is, is at the center of all of this. The FBI that right now is under Chris Ray, which is under, uh, Merrick Garland, which is under Joe Biden. And very clearly, uh, Joe Biden's biggest nemesis is Donald Trump. So we go down that line and we say, get him and get him in whatever way that you can. They held, withheld the FBI, withheld things that were damaging to the Biden campaign, the Biden presidency, the Biden family, and will do anything they can to find something to damage Donald Trump. Yeah, and here's the thing, you know, we right now they're investigating, uh, uh, I say quote-unquote, investigating Biden's uh, handling of, of having unclassified documents that he shouldn't have. But my goodness, people kind of gloss over this. They say, well, Biden you know, immediately cooperated when he found out he had these documents. When he found out, he's been he's sitting on these documents since his Senate days in some cases. That's what made him suddenly, when Donald Trump, when these documents were found with Trump, when this became a news item, uh, uh, Joe Biden and Mike Pence to a lesser degree. I give Pence more of a pass because he's only been out of the vice presidency for you know a, a couple of years or so. But Biden's been out of the Senate for over a decade, and and all of a sudden he goes, hmm, oh, I think we maybe should do a search to see if I have any classified documents. Well, you know what? He knew. My opinion is he knew he had these classified documents, and he thought I better wash my hands of these and get these get these uncovered and, and voluntarily turn them over right now. But he still sat on them for many, many, many years. Well, There's not only did he sit on them for all those years, Gary, we're talking to Gary Abernathy. He's a contributing columnist for the Washington Post. Not only did he sit on them for many years, you know, he knew he had them because they'd been moved from one location to another. Uh, and the fact that they moved them so many times that he lost track of where they were and that they were left in a garage next to the Corvette, which, of course, gave full access to Hunter Biden. And, Gary, this is a big part of this for me. Knowing what we know about Hunter Biden and his foreign entanglements, the idea that top secret or at least highly classified information could be left in a box in a garage that Hunter had access to because we saw him driving the Corvette for crying out loud. That means Hunter Biden, who was trying to make millions off of the Biden name by by uh, colluding with uh, foreign adversaries, including Chinese, had access to information that might have put the United States in serious, serious, a seriously compromised yeah. position. And no one is talking about that with the severity no one is talking that about it deserves. That's a, that's a fair point, Bob. Now, listen, in, in fairness, Maybe Hunter Biden never looked in those boxes. Never he, maybe he never thought about that. were just old boxes packed there. You know, maybe that is the case. But it's, it's not wrong to ask that question. It's not wrong to consider, you know, the access that, not only Hunter, how many people, you know, walked by those boxes, stood by those boxes, could have just looked in those boxes, maybe did look in those boxes. These are legitimate questions. There's nothing wrong with asking this question. Well, know, but someone... whether they did or they didn't look in there in those boxes, the fact that they were accessible to them means oh, that yeah. Joseph That's... R. Biden was literally grossly negligent call it in, grossly in, negligent. in protecting There's those. no doubt about it. And, and you, no you mentioned it with it. Hillary. Gross negligence yeah. is, a, is a legal term. That's it's an actionable crime. Term. I couldn't agree with you more, Bob. You know, someone contacted me over the last couple of days and said, you know, I, I agree with most of your column and this is someone i have a lot of respect for they said i agree with most of your column uh but i'm going to make one correction you think jack smith the special prosecutor is being too political um my i would say he's not being political enough and he's being too legalistic in other words he's being too legalistic he's saying well because i can bring these charges because technically they meet they meet they, they violate the letter of the law i can bring them but he's not doing enough to consider the politics of it which is is this does this rise to the level that for the first time in our two hundred and you know fifty year history roughly of this country, 
we're going to bring federal charges against the former president? The answer is no. It just doesn't rise to that level. Gary Abernathy is my guest. He's a columnist for the Washington Post. Um, he's actually based here in Ohio, down in the Cincinnati area, yeah. so it's good to talk to a fellow Buckeye, although you may yeah, be a Bengal sure. and a Bearcat, and that's okay. Uh, yep, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Uh, so, Gary, I want to read another line from your column. Red's a surgeon, by the way. Are they really? I, I, oh, yeah. I stopped watching when baseball went woke, I'm sorry, and when we lost our Indians and they tried to oh, change their the names. Oh, I know the feeling. I understand. Yeah. Uh, I want to read another line from your column. Uh, As President Trump had already seen all the classified documents in question, he apparently retained them not for nefarious purposes, but under a misguided sense of entitlement. He was sloppy and careless with them, hardly unprecedented at the highest levels of government. Um, Why do you suppose, this is totally an opinion question, Gary, why do you suppose a president, this one or any other, wants to take those things with them once they leave the White House? Well, I'm sure that there is a sense, not just with Trump, but, but with a lot of them, that, you know, these are theirs. They, they, they in, in many cases, were the impetus behind them, their creation or behind whatever policy uh, they might be describing. Uh, they've had access to them the whole time they were uh, president. Um, you know, they obviously could be trusted with them. I mean, this, I haven't, you know, when we actually get to hear this recording and, and that they supposedly have and that they, and, and when we get to hear the defense describe it, I'm going to be interested in that. But even to me, Trump supposedly said in this recording they have, hey, you know, I, this is, I, can't, I can't give this to you. This is classified. I, you know, this is, he was respecting the classification of it, even as he was describing, you know, what was in it. That's how I interpret uh, what he was saying. So I just think, and especially with Trump, and this is where I do fault Trump, Bob, is, you know, he does have this, this attitude of, you know, anyone that challenges him on anything or says he's wrong about something or says he did something he shouldn't have done, he's immediately going to resist that. He's like, you know, he's going to fight that. The guy just fights everything, and sometimes to his own detriment and sometimes to a degree. This is why I say, you know, the the sad thing about Trump is that he detracts from positive things by keeping everything about his own personal controversy. And that's what, frankly, where some of us out. Maybe not everybody. It's, it's no, wearing. it does. I agree with you, a hundred percent. It wears me out too. I, I don't like that mm-hmm. element of the president, a former president, either. Because you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything that that you say uh, that he did wrong, he will never say. Oh, you know what? My bad. Uh, let's fix yeah. that. It's no, I didn't. Uh, I did it perfect. I did it perfectly. And and that is that, that is an element. Yeah, that's an element of his narcissism that has been both a a benefit to him in his career, uh, pre politics and political, and also perhaps a drawback in some ways but uh, back to the to the tape since you brought it up and i completely agree he did show that he respected the classification but according to what we've been told the tape says he also acknowledged that it is not declassified like so many of the others that he said he declassified and that now that i am not president anymore i can't declassify it it's one mm-hmm. that one would think he would have to say yeah i got to give this one back if he had done that are we sitting here right now facing this uh, this indictment in this trial no, not at all. If he had done that, uh, I think that this would, would be old news. It wouldn't be anything we're talking about. And I think that's going to that's going to be a strong point for the prosecution. Uh, you know, with that tape, with that with that comment, with that admission that it wasn't uh, declassified. But um, you know, as I remind everybody, all we're getting. Keep in mind, all we're getting right now is basically a prosecutor's brief. Okay, we're getting one side of the story. 
I covered a lot of trials. I, you know, used to be a reporter covering trials and things. I, I know that halfway through the trial, you think, oh, wow, this is a slam dunk. Go home, block this person up because they've proven their case. And then the defense gets its turn. And then all of a sudden, there's a whole new uh, set of facts because the prosecution is not laying out anything favorable to the defense okay, or to the person they're charging. So let's be patient, hear what uh, another point of view is from Trump's lawyers. He's got some pretty good lawyers. Uh, oh, no doubt. And, 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 he, and he will have a robust defense. And you're right, a thousand percent. Too many of these cases are tried in the in the press. Uh, we think we know everything because, like you say, we hear what the prosecution wants us to hear. And we don't hear the other side until it's actual trial time. But last question for you, Gary Abernathy of The Washington Post, is this. Regardless of how good the defense is, can Donald Trump get a fair trial? Um, I, I feel like... Anywhere. It's not Miami. I don't care where it is. I don't care if it's Miami or it's New York or if it's in, in, in Butte, Montana. I, I, I feel like um, that in the most polarized time politically in American history, the most polarizing figure, Donald Trump, being on trial, um, it's never going to be a fair trial. Everyone has an opinion of him, and that opinion is going to cloud what they hear from the, the lawyers and from the witnesses and from the evidence. Yeah. I just feel like there's no chance in this particular time, which is why it was so egregious for them to file these charges and put, put his fate as a potential candidate for yeah. president in the hands of a jury. Well, I'll say a couple things to that, Bob, in, in, in regard to... Uh... Um, uh, whether he can get a fair trial. If he, if, he, if he can't get a fair trial in Florida, he won't be able to get one anywhere. And that's not a good reason not to ever bring... While I think, while I think as I've laid out, that, that, the, that charges should not have been brought in this case, you sure can't say, well, charges should never be brought against Trump because he can never get a fair trial anywhere. I don't think that's good either. I mean, I don't think we can follow that reasoning. So if Trump can't get a fair trial, it's largely... Uh, it's largely due to his own actions over the years. He's made himself this polarizing figure to a large degree. So, uh, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm convinced, but we'll see if it actually ever actually comes to trial. I think that's a big question, too. Well, you don't think he's going to plead out, do you? Um, I think that deals get made no matter what they say. I think that uh, we'll just see. It depends on what's going on with the presidential race. It depends on how hot and heavy he still is in that, if he's still the leading contender will have a big uh, effect on it. You know, okay, char- charges can always be dropped. Judges can throw charges out. All sorts of things can happen. Bob, we'll see if it gets to trial. I have my doubt. Yeah, um, and, and I know we said last thing before, but Gary, just real quick, <laughs> how long do you think they have had this information about his classified documents? Because I'm very, very concerned, going back to the beginning of our conversation about election interference, I feel like they probably could have done this two years ago. They knew what he had. They knew where he had it and so forth. But they waited until we got into the primary election cycle so that he would have to be dealing with all of this in the middle of a campaign, in the middle of opponents, and so on and so forth, which is what makes it egregious, more egregious. Well, in fairness, I think they've known for a long time, yes. But I also think that there were behind-the-scenes negotiations going on that they were trying to get them back, uh, you know, without it becoming a big issue. And, and he just consistently, you know, refused to give them back. In his mind, he thinks they, he thought they were still negotiating. And in the middle of negotiations, when they conducted the raid, there could be truth to that. But I think they've known for a long time. But I do think that he had ever, a lot of opportunities to put it that way, to give them back. And then just uh, rather uh, quietly and chose not to do that. Do, do you do you believe that the order to uh, uh, to bring this indictment that Jack Smith brought came directly from Biden through Garland? Reason to believe that? Um, no, I, I don't believe that based on what we know. But I just believe the appearance of it. 
the Biden administration going after Biden's uh, calendar for 2024 is is a bad, bad look for the country and for the world that should require something that is bad. It should require something more than just he wouldn't give back these documents. Yeah. And, and, and you know, Gary uh, Abernathy, um, what, what's really aggravating to me is had this indictment not been brought, the entire country this morning would be and should be talking about credible allegations backed by uh, an FD-1023 form that was held by the FBI mm-hmm. and eyewitnesses and were purportedly, according to Chuck Grassley, uh, audio tape recordings proving Joe Biden and his son Hunter engaged in a bribery scheme taking money from uh, from Ukraine, in, in uh, particularly in reference to the uh, firing of a prosecutor. We should be talking about this massive, massive, potentially, you know, uh, uh, politically destructive scandal involving the sitting president of the United States, and no one's talking about it because they went ahead and indicted Trump. Yeah, that's the thing about, you know, we should be talking about a lot of different things besides Trump all the time. I mean, you know, whether you love Donald Trump or whether you hate Donald Trump, he's constantly the center of the universe and uh, uh, of the news universe. Uh, Right. He, he's the center of gravity for every news organization. What's Trump doing today? You know, no matter which side of the, of the spectrum that the uh, cable news organizations are on, he's running everybody's life, and uh, we let him. Yeah, <laughs> so you're right about that. You're right about that. Of course, sometimes we have no choice because he does things to make himself the center of all of the conversations, yeah. and uh, we've got no choice if we're involved politically but yeah. to watch. Uh, Gary Abernathy, Washington Post columnist, really appreciate you coming on, Gary. Now I've got a reason to actually look at the uh, articles that I see tagged Washington Post in my local uh, local newspaper. Uh, give it a shot. Bob, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. Uh, Thank anytime. you, Gary. Thank you. Okay. God bless. Appreciate you. Uh, 956, it's Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer, right back. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Good morning. It's Wednesday, the 14th morning of the month of Groom in the year of our Lord, 2023. It is a couple of other things today. In addition to being Groom 14th, it is also June 14th. Flag Day is a celebration of our American flag that represents this glorious republic occurs every year on this date, dating back to the first official flag being introduced in 1777, June 14th, 1777. The Continental Congress introduced the American flag in the middle of the Revolutionary War. At that time, at that time, each colony or special interest had its own flag. The Declaration of Independence made the introduction of a universal flag necessary in other words in other words 13 separate colonies had their own flags and thus their own identification and their own uh, governance essentially but the unification 
of the colonies into a nation when we declared ourselves free of British rule. The unification of the colonies was necessary, and the representation of that unity was the flag. Now, of course, the flag has changed in terms of its uh, specific design as we added states, but the original 13 stripes and the original 13 stars, of course, which grew to represent all of the states in the 50, I think the... uh, uh, the current form, uh, the last time it was, was altered was in 1960 when Hawaii was recognized as the 50th state, and that's how we got the way it is now. But the flag represents unity, and the flag represents the republic. Um, that unity's gone. I don't know what kind of a symbol would be necessary today to find a way to reunify the country under the same principles that it was when it was founded. Um, I, I don't know what it would take to rebuild and, uh, and repurpose that same patriotism from 1776 and, of course, the first flag day in 1777. I don't know what it would take. I don't know if it's possible, quite frankly. In fact, I see us perhaps closer to the opposite of unification. And that is separation. That would be secession. Maybe not the exact same style we saw when the South seceded before the Civil War, but ideologically, personally, politically, we're headed towards separation, not unity. I don't know if it's possible to save that. I don't know if it's possible to get those who revile that flag and what it represents, because it represents colonialism, it represents slavery, which is the way the left likes to tell the story. I don't know if it's possible. I don't know what it would take to find that unity again. But recognizing our history and what was once a glorious, glorious flag flying over a glorious republic has become uh, a symbol of division now over a republic that seems to embrace division. Today is also the birthday of the United States Army, which is founded in 1775 on June 14th, when the Continental Congress authorized the enlistment of riflemen to serve the United Colonies for one year. The 14th June date is when Congress adopted the American Continental Army. And, of course, uh, not enough thanks can be given, of course, to all branches, but we honor them on their own days. Um, but not enough thanks can be given to the soldiers who have served from the birth of this country to its, uh, to its current state. I might submit to you that the job that the Army had back then was a little bit easier to, to grasp. We knew who the enemy was. We knew where the enemy was. We knew how to fight the enemy. And we have largely been able to do that over the course of this country's great history. But now... How do we identify the enemy? How do we know that our enemy isn't within? And if the enemy is without, how do we know how to engage them? Are we even focused anymore on identifying the enemy and planning and preparing for the eventuality of having to engage them? Not saying planning and preparing for war, but for the potential engagement that may be coming. 
our current army, our current military as a whole, seems to have forgotten all about unity, cohesion, seems to have forgotten all about what it takes to defeat a determined and capable enemy. And instead of focusing on the opposite of unity and cohesion, focusing on differences, personalized identities, and the need for diversity rather than unit cohesion. I've said this before. I'm not a veteran. I didn't serve. I went right to college. I went right into my professional career, which is why I always bow at the... Uh, well, not bow literally, but I mean proverbially, I just uh, have deep respect for those who did. And for those who did, who tell me these things, you know, there's a reason why they shave the heads of recruits when they go into when they go into uh, basic training. There's a reason why they make it high and tight. And there's a reason why everybody wears the same uniform. You want to know why? Because diversity is not something that should be experimented with when you are going to battle. Because diversity doesn't matter. Everyone must be the same, treated the same, act the same, follow the same rules, follow the same orders, rather than everybody being their own little weird flower growing in the middle of the field. The United States military is not the place. The United States Army is not the place. I see all of these woke advertisements recruiting people to the Air Force with Pride Month displays. Recruiting people to the Navy with a drag queen on a ship? Recruiting. (laughs) I wonder if that army that was born in 1775 would even recognize the mess that it's become right now. And that, of course, is to say nothing of the dedication and the willingness of those who serve in our all-volunteer army. This has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with those who are running the show. So it is Flag Day. It is the U.S. Army's birthday. We want to recognize both of those things, and I promise you I will be talking about them in some depth as part of my speech tonight, uh, which is also going to feature, of course, a lot of question and answer. We're going to have a lot of Q&A tonight at the uh, Strongsville GOP meeting. It's a Flag Day celebration. We'll be talking about uh, President Trump. We'll be talking about this extraordinarily unconstitutional targeting of a potential presidential nominee, uh, the Republican nominee, the leader of an opposition party. We're going to hit all of it tonight. I hope you're there. It's Flag Day celebration. Harvest Saloon in Strongsville. 630 is when the show gets started. And I really, really hope you come. I really hope you'll be there. We're going to have a lot of very important things that need to be covered. It's 1017. We'll take a time out. We're going to come back and get phone calls. 216-901-0945, I've got Jack Windsor at 1110. We've got free-for-all lines. Until then, stay here on Always Right Radio. Ten twenty one, always right radio at AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Good Wednesday to you. Let's uh, go to Jim calling us from West Park on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Jim, hey, good how morning. you doing, Bob? Good, my friend. What's on your mind? Okay, I got a couple questions for you. I listen to a lot of radio. You know that, and mm-hmm. um, they never mention uh, when they were talking about uh, a Joe Biden crime family. Yeah. They never mention uh, John Kerry or Obama. Number two, uh, why don't you ever mention 
that Hillary Clinton made every member of Congress and Senate sign a restraint order to not use private phones, but she did. And the third is, um, you might have mentioned it, but not enough, uh, the 20-something whistleblowers from the FBI who came forward to Jim Jordan and Banks and others whose lives have been destroyed, ruined. Flynn, Stone, Bannon, the sailor, Trump's shadow, uh, all these people. And tonight I'm going to, I'm looking for a guy, I don't know if you know him, a retired Lieutenant General Robert Wagner. I'd like to meet him and talk to him. So thank you for taking my call, Bob. You got it. And I'll see you tonight in uh, Strongsville. Thank you, Jim. Uh, not sure if you'll find uh, uh, him or not, but uh, I'm going to speak to the second of the three things that he brought there, which was the Hillary part of this. Whoever being entrusted with or having lawful possession or control of any document, writing, code book, signal book, sketch, photograph, photographic negative, blueprint, plan, map, model, instrument, appliance, note, or information relating to the national defense through gross negligence permits the same to be removed from its proper place of custody or delivered to anyone in violation of his trust or to be lost, stolen, abstracted, or destroyed. Or, two, having knowledge that the same has been illegally removed from its proper place of custody, or delivered to anyone in violation of its trust, or lost, stolen, abstracted, or destroyed, and fails to make prompt report of such loss, theft, abstraction, or destruction, it to his superior officer, shall be fined under this title, or imprisoned not more than ten years or both. What I just described to you is U.S. Code 793F, a provision that says anybody who takes classified materials like those described and through gross negligence permits them to be made available to others intentionally or otherwise must be fined and or imprisoned. In order to be fined or imprisoned, one must have to be proven guilty of said violation. In order to be proven guilty, one must stand trial. In order for one to stand trial, one must be indicted. But no indictment was delivered when that exact scenario played out for Hillary Rodham Clinton. James Comey and Gary Abernathy reminded us of this during my conversation with him last hour. James Comey acknowledged 18 U.S. Code 793F. He acknowledged that Hillary Clinton was grossly negligent. In an earlier draft of his speech delivering the results of their investigation, then realizing that gross negligence was actionable and something that would have had to have been charged, he changed the language to extremely careless, which is literally synonymous Gross and extremely are synonymous with one another. Negligence and carelessness are synonymous with one another. But he changed the language so that he could say no prosecutor would reasonably bring charges against her. The FBI protects and defends Democrat criminals and identifies and stalks and charges conservative Republicans. As all part of their agenda. They did it under Comey, they're doing it under Ray. 
The one thing that I can't wrap my brain around and I can't really defend as it pertains to President Trump is that Christopher Ray is his guy. He picked him. When he fired Comey, which was the right thing to do, he had his pick of people to replace him as FBI director. And he chose Chris Ray. And it just continued business as usual. The FBI targeting innocent people, including the president, former president now, uh, and, uh, and clearing, obviously, allies. Uh, thank you for the call. BJ in North Olmstead next. Hi, BJ. Go ahead. I'm going to be very sar- Thank you, Bob. I'm going to be very sarcastic. What Donald Trump should do to prove that he is every bit as good as Biden was, who brought the drag queens out to the White House, is appoint three drag queens, one in charge of the IRS, the FBI, and CIA. Maybe, maybe Donald Trump is too much of a man for America to handle. Uh, you know, to have a male, a real male, a real man in the White House, would be an affront to a lot of people, apparently. So we need somebody that's a little bit more effeminate and, 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 and do all the most obscene things you could do and kick Christianity in the ass and say, get out of here, we don't need you. You're worshiping the wrong people. But we have a man in Donald Trump that people can't tolerate because he's open, he's honest, and he doesn't give a crap about what people think about his beliefs. He's open about him. He's a true man. A male, somebody women could respect as a man, somebody men can respect as a man, not a bunch of crooks in the White House, not a bunch of tolerant people in the IRS or the FBI that want to cause trouble for the American public. I feel badly for the young Americans that are going to grow up and have to fight this battle. But I love this country, and God bless America, and God bless the Flag Day. And thank you for your time. And, your, and, Bob, I appreciate you listening to me as often as you do. Thank you so much. You got it, BJ. Thank you so much for the phone call. By the way, I know about the man part of your uh, your speech there, but uh, what is this woman you speak of? You all do realize, right, that women don't exist anymore. Did you see the new glossary? If you haven't, I'll tell you about that story a little bit later on, maybe after the bottom of the hour news. But, um, yeah, there are no longer women. There are Men, and then there are non-men. They cannot and will not and refuse to define woman. You thought that Matt Walsh was crazy when he did an entire documentary movie running around the country and asking people to define what is a woman? He wasn't. They have erased women from existence. I'll explain that more after the bottom of the hour. Rick is in Illyria on AM 1420, The Answer next. Hi, Rick, go ahead. Yeah, but I've got a question in regards to how many, okay, Trump is being indicted in Florida. They also want to indict him in, what, Georgia and a couple of other states. There's a, there's a legitimate cri- chance that, yeah, there's a legitimate chance that they're going to indict him in Georgia as well. Continue, please. Right, but how many trials can he go through at one time? The likelihood is that they won't overlap. Uh, Jack Smith did say that he wants this to be done as a speedy trial. They want to get it done, like, right away, the one in Miami. Um, and the Manhattan one, Alvin Bragg, overstuffed Alvin, is trying to make that one happen literally right as, you know, um, 
Uh, the earliest states uh, have their primaries and caucuses in March, which, of course, is intended, again, to interfere with Trump's ability to run for president and campaign and so forth. So uh, at least those two are going to not overlap. Uh, the Georgia thing, we haven't even had the indictment yet, but it's probably coming. I would imagine that the courts and the different states will collaborate and, co- and coordinate with one another and say, you know, yours won't start until this one ends, et cetera, et cetera. So the chances are they can't hold him at the same time because he can't be in three different places at once. Well, isn't there a way that they that he can drag this on himself? Drag it on? What do you mean, drag it on? Well, in other words, they were saying that with 37 indictments, this could last for many months, if not years. Is there not a way that no, no, he that's can not going to happen? Drag it on? No, that's not going to happen, and it's not something I think he would want to do. And thank you for the call, Rick. No, 37 different indictments doesn't mean 37 different trials. It's one trial, and each indictment is over one particular document that they're claiming uh, that was classified that related in some way to national security. That's why they're doing the Espionage Act on him. Uh, and each one just represents a different document. It's all going to be done together, and uh, it's probably not going to be... Uh, too far off. They're not going to push this one into 2024 the way they uh, are the one in Manhattan. And again, Georgia, we just don't know yet. Thanks so much for the call. It's 1031. Right back. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, 1036. Good Wednesday morning to you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks also to an alert caller who reminded me. Uh, I didn't talk about this uh, this morning, but I was going to mention it tonight at uh, the Strongsville GOP Flag Day celebration in which I'll be speaking. Today, in addition to being Flag Day, in addition to being the birthday of the United States Army, it is also President Trump's birthday. So while I do not have a birthday drop, I do have a... Can you dig it? That's the best way. That's the best way I know to say happy birthday <coughs> to anybody. So President Trump did indeed, uh, does indeed celebrate his birthday today, birthday number 77. You know, it's kind of surprising as um, petty and as... Uh, uh, vicious and vindictive the the leftists are in their attempts to take down and destroy uh, this man. And they made that decision way back in 2015, as Tucker Carlson said. I'm surprised they didn't wait and hold that arraignment today. Just because they're that petty. I'm surprised they held the arraignment yesterday instead of on his actual birthday so that the, the left can just cheer even more. Happy birthday. Here are your charges. You will stand trial nonsense. Uh, so uh, just a bit surprised there. But today is his birthday, and as I said before, they started targeting him literally seven years ago, a point that Tucker Carlson made very clear uh, in his new broadcast called Tucker on Twitter. The Biden administration arrested Donald Trump this afternoon. They had him arraigned and fingerprinted in a Miami courthouse like the accused felon he now technically is. These were the first steps in a process that is designed to put Donald Trump behind bars for the rest of his life. Cable news carried every moment of it live. It's unprecedented, they told us, with what looked like shock. But they weren't shocked. They knew this was coming. Everyone who's paid attention knew it was. What just happened was always going to happen. It's been inevitable since February 16th, 2016. 
That's the day Donald Trump made a blood enemy of the largest and most powerful organization in human history, which would be the federal government. That is exactly correct, obviously. And by the way, welcome back, Tucker. Uh, Tucker, by the his uh, his new kind of quote unquote show that he is just you know uploading to Twitter, seemingly every day, maybe every other day, depending on you know how he gets rolling here. Um, that's in complete defiance of Fox, whose attorneys have issued cease and desist letters to Tucker Carlson and his attorneys, saying that he is in violation of their contract, uh, which stated that he has, you know, it's a non-compete clause, essentially. It says you cannot work for another broadcast network, and depending on the legalese in it, is Twitter a broadcast network? He seems to be working for himself here is what he's doing, which is why it looks like he and his attorneys have told Fox News to pound salt or pound sand. You can choose whatever you want to pound. Uh, but at any rate, Tucker Carlson is not stopping, and I'm glad because he made very great points there. Let's go back to the phones. Um, we're going to talk next to Mike in North Royalton. Mike, you're on AM 1420. The answer, fire away, sir. Bob, I met you last month at the North Royalton Library where you gave a great speech Thank about you. how we all, we all need to do more to protect children. Well, I'm one of three conservative candidates running for school board in North Royalton, and we hope to join Jeremiah Sawyer and Lisa Shook to build a firewall against this uh, woke ideology. Well, two of us are having a fundraiser tomorrow night at Cleet. Thursday, June 15th from 5 to 8 p.m. Cleats is located at Wallings and State Road in North Royalton. And I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to get the word out on that. I'm glad you are. Give the specifics. What's the time? What time is your uh, fundraiser? Yeah, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Cleats, which is at the uh, intersection of Wallings and State Road in North Royalton. For the, Five for to the, eight. Yeah, yes, I, I remember meeting you, and I remember talking about this and the extraordinary importance of this. More and more people need to say, I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm going to act. I'm going to step up. I'm going to run for school board. We're going to try to replace some of these monsters who are allowing this indoctrination and sexualization of our kids, get them out of there so that we can return education to being about learning and not about being indoctrinated. And uh, uh, I, I fully support you. I fully support uh, everybody who has got the courage to do this. Um, and so I'm happy to tell everybody about it. Five to eight tomorrow at Cleats uh, in North Royalton. And Mike, I hope you are extraordinarily successful. I hope you raise a lot of money tomorrow, and I certainly hope you win. And I appreciate you calling. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate God bless it. you. Thank you. Yeah, that was a that was a great crowd. Um, I spoke to the North Royalton Republican Club, oh, what three weeks ago, something like that. And uh, I, I just, I, I did. I was kind of trying to hammer home the point that. All of the things, particularly the woke things that happen in our schools, the things that are happening in our communities right now, we're allowing. It's our fault. And I, I literally challenged everybody in the audience to, to do something a little bit more than just talk about it. Uh, you know, you have to move people and you have to inspire people. And sometimes you have to be the people that actually make the change. And that is, you know, running for school board. And we had people in the crowd who were indeed candidates. And I was so glad to hear that and others considering the same thing. So God bless you. And thank you for that. Uh, Andy, Andy is in uh, Middleburg. Andy, fire away. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Hey, I, Bob, about three weeks ago, I asked you if you could find out. Uh, I heard from uh, Mary Banyan, who's an investigative reporter on another station, that uh, the Attorney General, uh, Garland, 
he was appointed to that job by by Biden. And when you get appointed to a job, you have to be sworn in, and you also have to sign a paper that you will uphold the Constitution. Nobody seems to be able to find that that information. And I, I just was wondering whether you knew about that, or that you know anybody that's appointed by the president like that, they have to be uh, sworn in and sign that paper. And if and if he's not sworn in and signed that paper, he's not even legally in office. Yeah, I I have heard the same thing, Andy, and I remember you asking about it. I have not been able to find any uh, information about that one way or the other, about whether or not he was officially sworn in or taken an oath or whatever the case might be uh, as Attorney General. Uh, but yeah, it would stand to reason to me that if you are going to be in charge of upholding and defending the Constitution as the Attorney General of the United States, you should have to pledge an oath to that Constitution. But then, but then everything he's doing is illegal. He's not even he's not even uh, has any authority if he didn't do those two things yeah. if they but, but like i in. said i don't have any evidence whatsoever that he did not That's all right and one other thing please yeah. uh biden is he's in charge of the uh, uh the services the armed services and when he left that all that equipment back that 85 billion dollars isn't that aiding and abetting the enemy and he could be court-martialed could be, but won't be. But yeah, I, I when he did it, I said that it was literally, it was literally treasonous to leave all of that, you know, the, those munitions, the transports, uh, all of the military vehicles and so forth to the Taliban, which is our enemy, uh, which is an enemy of freedom. Uh, I completely concur. But you know, these are things that are you know easy for us to say, but certainly a lot more difficult for people to bring and uh, and to bring a president up on charges of treason like that is unprecedented. And uh, you know, we can tilt at windmills all we want at the bottom line. We're not going to get anywhere with that. The enemy and and why why I don't I'm just so frustrated with all these things going on and and I'm, and I don't mean it I don't mean it in one way and not in another way. Just the frustration that this guy is walking around aiding and abetting the enemy every day and and tearing this United States down and he's still walking around. I, I, I just can't believe it. you got an innocent guy that's being uh, indicted and everything for not doing anything, and these idiots, the whole family, and everybody knows it, and, he, and he's walking around like... He's like you can't do nothing to him. Well, I, I yes, just don't I mean, understand you can't. it. Well, no, I mean he enjoys the protection of his office. Uh, the reality is that that's why he you know, he feels bulletproof because he pretty much is, you know, politically speaking. And thank you for the call, Andy. I mean, he is. Um, he, he, listen, there is evidence, and it is growing in in terms of its scope and scale that he participated in a bribery scheme when he was vice president of the United States in support of his son and in collaboration with his son to take money from Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company, um, in exchange for giving the Ukrainian energy company a foothold in in the U.S. energy market. This is what we're finding out as as this investigation and this evidence grows. There is evidence that may even involve 17 different audio tapes of phone conversations arranging this, this, this bribery scheme that enriched Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and uh, the, the, about, about a half dozen other members of the Biden family. There is evidence uh, that might include 17 phone calls, two with Joe Biden and 15 with Hunter Biden, setting this whole thing up. But none of it will ever matter if it's up to Merrick Garland the Department of Justice Attorney General to open an investigation into. 
And Merrick Garland, who was appointed and chosen by Joe Biden, is not going to do that. So Joe Biden, of course, he walks around feeling, you know, impervious to all of this stuff going on around him because he kind of is. He's got a true wingman. I talked about this on Prager the other day, and I was trying to remember exactly how Eric Holder uh, and Barack Obama referred to one another. And Barack Obama once talked about Eric Holder being his wingman, which is not the way it's supposed to be. The AG is not supposed to be the personal attorney representing and protecting the President of the United States. That's not how it works, but he once referred to himself as that. Uh, and and, and uh, Obama did. Um, and clearly, Merrick Garland is filling that role. He's Joe Biden's wingman. Nobody is going to be held accountable in the Biden administration as long as Merrick Garland is the DOJ uh, head. As long as he's the AG, no one is going to be held accountable. That's just, No one's going to be investigated. Uh, just, just forget about it. That's reality. I hate saying it. I'm not suggesting I'm happy. I'm just telling you the reality. There is no way anything is going to happen to Joe Biden as long as Merrick Garland. That's why, that's why Donald Trump said last night at Bedminster, as part of his speech, he said, if and when I am reelected, he said, I will hire a special counsel who will go after the Biden crime family. You know, and of course, some might say, oh, is that exactly what's being done to him? You know, going after political opponents? And the answer is, yes, it is. And good. Because we have to start fighting fire with fire. You don't bring a knife to a gunfight. You bring your own gun. And that analogy may tick off um, left-wing anti-Second Amendment supporters, but you know what? I don't care. You don't bring a knife to a gunfight. And we've got to stop fighting by the, you know, the, the Marquis of Queensberry rules, uh, you know, fighting with uh, you know, no rabbit punches and everything else, while the other guy's got a two-by-four with a nail stuck out of it. You don't, you don't fight that way. All right, uh, 216-901-0945, Real quick before the break, the glossary that I was referring to before came from one of America's most prestigious medical universities, Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins has created what they're calling the LGBTQ glossary. And in the glossary for LGBTQ, which is filed under their Diversity and Inclusion, Gender and Sexuality Resources section, they define the words lesbian and gay. For a gay man, the definition is, a man who is emotionally, romantically, sexually, affectionately, or relationally attached to other men. For lesbian... The definition is a non-man attracted to non-men. Wait, wait, what? A non-man attracted to non-men. They can't even say the word woman anymore. Everyone who knows anything about anything knows that the term lesbian refers to a woman who is attracted to other women. In the same way that gay man is a man who's attracted to another man. They can't even say the word woman. They won't define the word woman. I remember a couple of years ago in one of my many interviews with Dr. Everett Piper, Dr. Piper saying they're trying to erase women from existence. I didn't know it was going to be this blatant. I know Matt Walsh did that documentary and I watched it. What is a woman? Trying to get leftists who are trying to advance gender ideology, which is gender political agenda, 
refusing to answer the question, what is a woman? They can't. They can't because it will undercut all of their arguments about this ridiculous uh, alphabet mafia. They can't even say the word woman. A non-man attracted to non-men. Women are just no longer visible as a sex. As one of the two, only two members, or or, uh, sexes rather, of our species. As one of only how many? Eight, but two genders. Two genders. Ain't nothing but men and women. I can't say woman anymore. I'll go into the break with this. J.K. Rowling, the, uh, the author who has been declared public enemy number one, or at least among them, by the radical left, uh, because she refuses to play the trans game, refuses to uh, participate in the delusions, despite being a leftist herself. This is a bridge too far for her. Uh, J.K. Rowling tweeted in response to the Johns Hopkins LGBTQ glossary, quote, man, no definition needed. Non-man, formerly known as woman, a being definable only by reference to the male, an absence, a vacuum where there's no manness. J.K. Rowling, spot on, well done, and we'll be back. I want to spend the last three minutes of this hour... Don't forget Jack Windsor's coming up after the uh, top of the hour. Underscoring the extraordinary hypocrisy of Richard Levine and the rest of the transing of American youth left. Richard Levine, I don't know the circumstances of where he had this conversation, um, but I do have the clip. Richard Levine, of course... Is uh, likes to go by the name Rachel Levine. Likes to wear makeup and 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 a long-haired wig, or maybe he did grow his grow his hair out that long. Considering he's pretty much bald before that, I'm pretty sure it's a wig, but whatever. Um, but uh, Richard Levine <clears throat> plays uh, plays the role of, of of female, and as a result of that, uh, was appointed United States Assistant Secretary for Health by Joe Biden. You see, Joe Biden doesn't give a rat's rip about. Uh, uh, anybody's qualifications, he cares about their diversity because he wants to have the most diverse cabinet. So you know Richard Levine. Well, Richard Levine, who plays, uh, who's a male who plays the role of female for his own personal satisfaction, was in this particular um, venue, and again, I don't know exactly why or where, but I want you to listen to what Richard Levine says. You know, my transition was very different because for many reasons, professional and mostly personal reasons, I transitioned over 10 years. Okay? Most people don't take that long to transition. First of all, young people are not willing to do that anymore. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if I was 15, if I was 15 now, I don't know if I would have taken so long, but, but again, when I was 15, what were you going to say and who would you tell and how would you possibly express that? But um, so the, the language started about, you know, so that was now 20 years ago um, when I started, when I kind of started this journey. And it was starting to become more in culture in the internet and support groups, etc. So, um, uh, so I took a long time. Um, I don't regret uh, any of that. And so another thing I would talk is I have no regrets. I have no regrets. Um, and, and I'll give you an example. So one of the things that I learned when I transitioned is that you know what you can you can change your gender. It's not as easy as no, you can't. You can play dress up, 
and you can even have parts of your body lopped off and and fake parts built through plastic surgery. You cannot change your gender. But anyway, continue, Richard. To think to change your gender, it's a little challenging, but you can do that. What 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 I can't be is 25 yet. Okay, so you have this. In, think of this internal picture of yourself. And for many of us, it's, I don't know, maybe 30. I mean, it's 25, 30, something like that. Well, there's nothing I can do to be 25 or 30, to be a young woman, you know? So I'm, a, I'm an old lady. Uh, no, you're an old man who plays dress-up, but anyway. That's what it is. I mean, that's why if, if you see adults who transition, sometimes, um, especially male to female, they, they, they dress inappropriately because they have this internal picture of themselves at 25, except they're 55, and ooh. so that doesn't always look so good. Um, so, uh, Believe me, you don't look so good. Through that awkward, that, that awkward phase. And I would tell when the adults I would see that, that was just challenging is that, you know, I can make you, I, I can, we can work on changing your gender. But I, no, you can't, because it's not possible. I can't make you 25, so you're going to have to kind of deal with that. But I have no regrets. This is the money line. If I transitioned when I was young, and I wouldn't have my children. I can't imagine a life without my children. And so every experience led me to here. And, um, uh, and so how could I regret that? If you didn't catch the money line, I have no regrets because if I transitioned when I was young, then I wouldn't have my children. I can't imagine a life without my children. And yet he, Richard Levine, and all of the others that are a part of this this cabal of of ghouls are pushing transitioning on children permanently sterilizing them with puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones and ultimately chemical castration or physical castration he is literally pushing on kids that which he is glad that he never went through he was able to have children first and then play dress up but he is a part of this cabal that is trying to make children transition before they can even hit puberty and before they can ever become adults and have their own children. He's a part of the sterilization of Generation Z, and he's happy that he waited until he had his kids before he decided to go weird. And yes, a grown man wearing a dress and a grown man wearing long hair and lipstick and saying, call me Z or Zay or she or, or her, is weird. I apologize for none of that. And we'll be back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I 
have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay, there is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now, 11 minutes past 11 o'clock. Really appreciate you being with us. You missed our conversation in hour number one with Gary Abernathy from the Washington Post. Uh, it was a good one. You're going to want to hear that. Check it out at uh, whkradio.com. About an hour from now, the uh, podcast should be uploaded to whkradio.com. Really good conversation with Gary about the political persecution slash prosecution of Donald J. Trump. Also want to remind you, tonight, if you have not yet made plans, plan on being with us in Strongsville. I'll be speaking to the Strongsville GOP uh, as a part of their Flag Day event, and also we're going to be getting out the vote for August 8th, the special election. We have to make sure we raise that constitutional threshold to 60% in advance of voting no uh, on November 7th against this ridiculous ballot initiative to uh, strip parents uh, of their rights uh, to protect their kids from terrible, terrible decisions. That's the best way to describe it. Today we witness the most evil and heinous abuse of power in the history of our country. Very sad thing to watch. A corrupt sitting president had his top political opponent arrested on fake and fabricated charges of which he and numerous other presidents would be guilty. Right in the middle of a presidential election in which he is losing very badly. Right in the middle. It's more at the beginning, but the point remains the same. It is indeed during a presidential election cycle, which means this is absolutely election interference when you target the person you expect to be running against. The, the double standard. The, the American people have common sense. They see it. For, I mean, think about it. You got a classified document concerned with Clinton, Biden and Trump. So three people involved in the same thing, but only one gets prosecuted. How is that justice? How is that fairness? How is that equal application of the law? The two Democrats don't get prosecuted, but the Republican does. That's exactly the way it works, Congressman Jim Jordan. That's why they call it the swamp of Washington, D.C. Joining us now to analyze this and a whole lot more is our good friend. He is here every single Wednesday with us. He is our uh, State House correspondent uh, for WHK Radio. He is also the editor and the founder and the, um, uh, I guess, the entire guru for the Ohio Press Network. He, of course, is our good friend, Jack Windsor. Jack, good to have you back, my friend. How are you? Bob, I'm super fantastic. It's great to be with you this morning. Yes, sir. Well, it's a good, it's good to have you. I wanted to play those clips while you were on the line so you could hear them and respond to them mm-hmm. before we talk about a couple of Ohio-centric issues. Uh, so, so, Jack, you just heard President Trump call it what it is. Um, the, the sitting president, fearful of losing to his top rival, figures we're going to take him out in advance. We're going to go ahead and, uh, and mm-hmm. have him indicted and hope that even the indictment might stop him from running or certainly a conviction that might stop him from running. Jim Jordan says, and if you are going to do this, as to one, how come we cannot do it to all? And you say what? I say um, all week we've heard whataboutisms, right? And, and I think the one that's brought up the most, uh, particularly from patriot conservatives, is involving Hillary Clinton and the fact that she mishandled classified information and lied about it. If you remember, she said, my attorneys went through each and every email. They were overly inclusive. And what was turned over to the State Department, that was a lie. The FBI found out that was a lie. Uh, she said um, that she didn't send or receive email messages across her personal server and email account that contained classified information. That was a lie. More than 2,000 emails contained classified information. 
Some had markings indicating they were classified. Um, you know what, Bob, the sad part is we may never know the extent to which Hillary Clinton communicated and deleted national security information. But what we know is that there were 2,000 emails, uh, including 110 and 52 email chains that contained classified information. 38 individuals were found culpable in a three-year State Department investigation of 91 infractions. But back then, FBI Director James Comey didn't find that a threat to national security, saying essentially that a reasonable prosecutor wouldn't pursue the matters. Now, in 2023, with Donald Trump leading the GOP race and crushing President Biden in the polls, all of a sudden, 31 alleged infractions are serious and prosecutable. And, you know, it's laughable when you hear Jim or Jim, I call him Jim because I don't want him to have the same name as me. It's Jack Smith and his presser when he said, hey, we have one set of laws in this country and they apply to everyone. Do we? And do they apply to everyone? And, uh, you know, the thing that gets talked about, the New York Times put an article out today in their in their morning newsletter that highlighted some military personnel who were arrested recently. And they said, you know, we need to take a look at this from that perspective. If if what if this was Donald Trump? Well, here's the 800 pound gorilla. Nobody wants to talk about Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, as senator, Joe Biden, as vice president, a retired Air Force officer, uh, a retired special forces officer. Those people are not president. And the last I checked, I, I recognize the New York Times doesn't carry a, a pocket constitution around. Uh, their, their writers don't. But is, is it Article 2 that outlines the, the powers of the executive branch? And you know, that's what J.D. Vance and I talked about when we talked this week. It's clear that the executive power resides with the president. He has the ability to classify and declassify information. That's what no one wants to talk about. And uh, that's what makes uh, Donald Trump's case different than, than all of these other situations in, in my mind. That's a good summary. It's a really good summary, particularly the part about Hillary. And, I, you know, the what about his accusation I've, I've heard, too. I had a message left on my voicemail. I talked about this hour, hour number one, from a, somebody I used to consider a friend, now just an acquaintance. And it's because of politics. As you know, families have been split apart because of political differences and friendships and so forth. But this person left me a note, or I'm mean, sorry, a voicemail saying, uh, uh, you know, if you get popped for speeding, you don't get to tell the cop, hey, other people were speeding too. You can't prosecute me or you can't cite me. Uh, that's what you're trying to do by saying, well, but what about Hillary and what about what about Joe Biden? And the difference. Uh, can I address that? Well, can yeah, I address let, let, that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you can, but I just want ahead. to give you the give you the line for those who didn't hear it in the first hour. That I said is the difference is is a police officer running radar right on the side of the road doesn't know who you are when he pops you and picks you out of the crowd of people that are speeding. Donald Trump wasn't just speeding with a whole bunch of other people. Donald Trump was targeted. They they had a helicopter over his home. They waited for him to drive out. They waited for him to make a full stop. They waited for him to, 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 to turn right on red only legally. They were looking for him specifically to do something wrong so that they could then prosecute him. That's not the same thing as a whole group of speeders uh, and one of them being picked out by the cop in the middle of the pack. Go ahead. <laughs> Bingo. And, and Bob, I apologize. I get fired up about this. I shouldn't. I'm trying to keep my journalist hat on. But first of all, what about ism? It actually disproves what Special Prosecutor Jack Smith said, that we have one set of laws in this country. No, you don't. And, and that's, that's at the heart of what about ism. If, if you had one set of laws and they applied equally, you wouldn't have what you have. You wouldn't have people going, well, what about Clinton? What about Biden? Well, and by the way, it's not even the same law because they weren't president. 
So, I mean, that's like comparing apples to chimpanzees. The other part that's really unnerving to me is that here's how people dismiss Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. They go, you know what? They, They weren't trying to intentionally hold on to the information and do it for nefarious reasons. Bob, that's a hard pill to swallow for people who now understand that Hillary Clinton and her campaign, they were absolutely in charge of this Russia collusion hoax where they leveraged the FBI and then FBI director James Comey lied on FISA forms in order that uh, the, the Trump campaign could be spied on. True espionage. Comey didn't get arrested and go to jail. Hillary didn't get arrested and go to jail. I mean, we've got to call this what it is. It is absolutely political. You and I have traveled the state for years talking to people, and I can't tell you how many people have come up to me from Cuba, from Venezuela, some of them with tears in their eyes, and they've said, I'm, a, I'm trying to escape this. And this is what's going on in our country when you can use the FBI, the federal police, to attack your top political rival, this, this is a third world country. It is that. You're exactly right. And I've talked to people from some of those other countries as well, socialist and communist countries, who see the warning signs right here uh, before their very eyes, and they're trying to sound the alarm and tell everybody, uh, you better be aware because you're going to turn into what the, the place that I was able to escape. And here we are. Uh, so, yeah, we are talking about the stuff of banana republics when you have a sitting president trying to uh, crush his potential political rival by charging him and potentially jailing him. Uh, great analysis. Jack, let's, um, let's move forward here. And I want to talk about some local issues. First of all, we got word this morning that the Save Witness is good news. The Save Women Sports Act is being amended into the SAFE Act, saving adolescents from experimentation. And they're supposedly going to be voting this out of committee today, potentially for a floor vote as early as next week. Jack, that's that's great news. It is, because, you know, when uh, Jason Stevens became speaker with the help of uh, – 22 Republicans and all the House Democrats, he identified 12 pieces of legislation that were priority. Save Women's Sports was one of them. The SAFE Act was not. Um, one of the other bills uh, that is a priority piece of legislation is House Bill 8, which gives parents, uh, essentially protects rights that parents are already supposed to have on the law books. And uh, it makes sure that they can opt their kids out of these uh, sexualized teachings, uh, particularly the transgender uh, ilk. And so um, it is big news. Um, Save Women's Sports is going to go into the SAFE Act, and the SAFE Act will hit the floor next week for a vote. I expect that it will pass. And it will, Um, according to the sponsor, Gary Click, it will ban puberty blockers, ban opposite (laughs) sex or cross hormones, and ban sex change surgery for minors. This is something that many other red states have already done. We're a little bit late to the party, but we're catching up a little bit here now because, of course, uh, you know, this is extraordinarily important. I saw a video, Jack, just to get your comment on this before we move on. I saw a video of a... 28-year-old woman who said she was very frustrated. She is not married, and she has decided she's not sure if she's going to get married, but if she does, she does not want children. She's 28 years old. She's a grown woman, and she went to her OB and doctor and asked to have her tubes tied, which, again, is a relatively common uh, procedure for people who decide. You know, it's like a man getting a vasectomy. She does not want to have children. Um, She said her doctor said no, they wouldn't do it. And she would be hard-pressed to find somebody who will tie her tubes at the age of 28 because she's too young to make a lifetime decision about whether or not she'll ever want to have children. 
She may want that reversed someday, and uh, they won't be able to reverse that if she changes her mind. And she did her little video saying, they told me that as a 28-year-old, and yet the same doctors in the same building would be taking in minors, 13, 14-year-olds, maybe even younger than that, and giving them puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones that will do what? Make them sterile. It will make them infertile. They'll never be able to have children, and they think it's okay for a child to make that decision, but they wouldn't do that for a 28-year-old woman in the event that she changes her mind. Yeah, and that's interesting because, you know, most of what you read about with neurology and biology says that about 25 or 26, your prefrontal cortex is developed. Now, that's the area that's responsible for impulse control decision-making. So 28 seems, uh, wow, that's, that's interesting, but it provides the context, right? You know, and, and here's another, I guess, example. Would you, would you expect that um, people on the left, Democrats, progressives, the LGBTQ plus crowd, would be okay with 12-year-olds having guns? Even if they were provided safety training, I think they would go apoplectic because yeah. they would say, those kids are not ready for guns. <laughs> but you're telling me they're ready to take puberty blockers and hormones and worse, go under the knife and have something lopped off. So, um, you know, there's a lack of consistency there. And by the way, the SAFE Act will probably pass. But I think it, it, we, we would be doing a disservice if we didn't talk about the elephant in the room. That won't matter if the November ballot initiative passes. I've read the language. The language talks about an individual, not a, not a woman, not a man, an individual having reproductive rights. And it lists things, but it says, you know, it, it could include more, basically. And so... What I'm going to tell you is if that radical amendment that everyone's saying codifies Roe v. Wade, first of all, that's that's a lie. Second of all, it has everything to do with transgender, because if somebody has the right as an individual to, to reproductive health decisions, the precedent's already set in this country, Bob, and in the state of Ohio. You know that 12-year-olds uh, don't have to give their parents full access to medical records. So we're living in fantasy world if we think that minors aren't already equipped and empowered to make decisions. And so if this November issue passes, then Johnny, who decides he doesn't, you know, want uh, what he has and wants to get it lopped off, could absolutely get it lopped off. And even if the SAFE Act is in play, the Constitution trumps legislation and trumps bills. And so, you know, Johnny could, without parental consent, uh, go ahead under the knife or start puberty blockers or whatever. So the SAFE Act is important. The November ballot initiative is more important. Well, as long as we're talking about legislation in the state of Ohio, Jack, I'm going to take a time out here, and I'm going to ask you to hang on. Yep. I want to come back with you and talk about uh, the Parents' Bill of Rights, which passed out of committee and uh, yep. now heads to the full full house for a vote. Um, and for those who don't know, according to a certain segment of our population, the Parents' Bill of Rights should be entitled the Don't Say Gay or Trans Bill. They're trying to turn this into what they did in Florida. Um, we're going to talk about that and get your analysis of that as we continue. So Jack Windsor is going to stick with us after this on AM 1420 VX. Take it from Charlie Kirk. As I read this New York Times article, so I read the New York Times so you don't have to. Salem Media Group reaches more people than they realize. This is my favorite line of the whole thing. Their hosts are big names, and they have huge reach, which makes them one of the most powerful forces in conservative media. Tap into our big names to help grow your business. Call Tim Vaughn at 216-525-1818. 216-525-1818. Thank you for finally noticing. 
All right, friends, Bob France here for Harry Buffalo on Great Northern Boulevard in North Olmstead. You know, it's summer, and the temperature's a little bit down right now, but i got to tell you what, if you're looking to eat outdoors, there's no better place to eat outdoors in Northeast Ohio than, uh, than Harry Buffalo. The patio there is phenomenal. Such a great atmosphere, uh, and the food is phenomenal. Today, by the way, Wednesday is Burger Day. $2 off any burger on the best burger bonanza menu in Northeast Ohio. I'm telling you, the one thing that makes it better than anywhere else is you can get a bison burger at Harry Buffalo. That's something you can't get just about anywhere else. Uh, but uh, that's the happy hour special. Four to seven, save two bucks on the uh, burgers. You can also get $3 craft pints, domestic talls, well drinks, and house wines. Four to seven, and that is every single Monday through Friday at Harry Buffalo. Take a look at the menu online at harrybuffalo.com. Join the herd when you get online as a subscriber. You get a free appetizer next time you stop in. Harry Buffalo on Great Northern Boulevard. It's a great time, no matter what time, when it's Harry Buffalo time in North Olmstead. The Secular Crew keeps digging. FBI Director Christopher Ray has confirmed. The existence of the FD-1023 form, that's the confidential informant form the FBI uses, that then uh, Vice President Biden engaged in a criminal bribery scheme with a foreign national. He had never before admitted that that document actually existed. Secular, weeknights at 6, right before Brandon Tatum at 7, on AM 1420. The answer. Or on iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Okay, um... It's 11.28, so we only have about two minutes, a minute and a half here to talk about this. So, uh, Jack Windsor, I'm going to ask you if you stick through the news, too, so we can do exactly yeah. what we want to do here. There yeah. is an online news publication not named the Ohio Press Network. That's the one we like to feature. That's Jack's. You should subscribe. Um, there's another online publication called the Buckeye Flame. And uh, it apparently is uh, branded as a newspaper uh, by and for the LGBTQ community. To which I say, go for it. Their headline story as of this morning is this. Ohio Republicans pass don't say gay slash trans bill without a full hearing. Reject LGBTQ plus advocate testimony. Subheadline, this parent's bill of rights uh, passed out of committee and now heads to the full house to be voted on as early as Wednesday. And then the article, Jack, is just filled with all kinds of misinformation and slanted reporting that I know you want to analyze. So what we're going to do after the bottom of the hour news break here, I just want to set the table for everybody. We're going to read this line by line. I'm going to read it anyway, and I'm going to let Jack Windsor deconstruct it so that you have a true understanding of what the Parents' Bill of Rights is and exactly how those on the far left, including the Buckeye Flame, uh, would go to bastardize the intent and the language of the bill. Because, uh, Jack, I know you've read it, and I know you want to de- deconstruct this, so we're going to do that after this time out right here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. Okay, 11.36 now. We continue uh, one more segment in the broadcast, and it's going to be held with Jack Windsor uh, working alongside here. Jack, so the Parents' Rights Act, which is a very, very big deal. Uh, it's something that the people of Ohio uh, that care about the kids have been pushing for. And um, it is um, it is apparently also known as the Don't Say Gay slash Trans Bill, at least according to the LGBTQ community. The Parents' Bill of Rights 
is passed out of committee and is heading to the full house. Jack, I'm going to read this article. You stop okay. when you've got something you need to say about what you hear. This is in the Buckeye Flame, an LGBTQ-specific uh, news outlet. Quote: Are you going to read the title? Because uh, I'm going to uh, stop you right there. Yeah, well, I read it earlier. I thought I. Uh, <laughs> but you, if you want it again, I'll do it again. Ohio yeah, Republicans. Yeah, Ohio Republicans passed don't say gay slash trans bill without a full hearing reject LGBTQ plus advocate testimony. So um, the, the bill does not. First of all, when you say don't say gay or trans, the bill. First of all, I'm going to encourage every listener go to all the W's legislature dot Ohio dot gov. Type in House Bill 8, and it lists what, what it does. There are five points there. It ensures certain sexual sexuality-related content defined by the bill as age-appropriate, developmentally appropriate, and that parents are notified and have a chance to opt out their kids. So there are parents who can keep their kids opted in. So when you say don't say gay, that's actually not accurate. Did it pass without a full hearing? Um, when you go to the website and you actually click on details of the bill, uh, Bob, this this bill had six hearings and 45 opponent uh, testimonials against it. So, so out of right the off day, the rip, right off the rip on the on the yep. title, they've uh, they they're already uh, spewing misinformation. Okay, yep. let's. Uh, we've we've only got about six minutes here, so let's let's okay. let's uh, make this work. Ohio House Bill 8, the Parents' Bill of Rights, passed out of the Primary and Secondary Education Committee on Tuesday in a 15-minute hearing that featured no opportunity for opponents to testify in person before the committee. The bill would force all teachers and school staff, including social workers and school counselors, to out LGBTQ plus students to their parents, even if there are suspected anti-LGBTQ plus abuse Stop. within the home. Stop. Um, parents, social workers, uh, psychiatrists, therapists, they're all mandatory reporters, Bob. If there is abuse suspected in the home, they have to report it. If they don't, they're going to lose their job. So seems to be a scare tactic and by the way notice outing students to parents i'm sorry i think the supreme court has already said that parents have the supreme right to direct the education and upbringing of their kids so um it's a little bit and by the way so parents are in the know and afforded the right to know what's going on with their kids if they're progressive if they're pro lgbtq plus i can't think of anything more unequitable or lacking diversity but go ahead very well said. Um, the bill would uh, uh, the bill would also require parental notification regarding materials in the curriculum that include any description of quote sexuality concepts or gender ideology end quote. LGBTQ plus advocates say the language amounts to a don't say gay slash trans bill that could result in major safety risks to the LGBTQ plus students and censorship in school curricula across the state. Let's stop there. H- Go ahead. Okay. Uh, first of all, safe adults don't ask children to keep secrets, especially from their parents and families. High-risk adults, predators, and groomers do ask children to keep secrets, and they attempt to coerce behavior with threats, and they attempt to weaken the strength, importance, and properness of parents' rights to lead in education and upbringing. But here's the worst part, Bob. There are people, you and I both, and our listeners, who are gender, genuinely uh, worried for gender dysphoric kids and trans kids, giving people false information frustrates them and it makes them angry that this type of legislation is being pitched as something that harms kids it doesn't kids that actually transition are 80 to 90 percent likely to come back to their original god-given gender and worse their the rates of suicide actually go up if they do transition but go ahead 
HB8 was amended last week to include an incorrect definition of biological sex that also appears in Ohio's new bathroom bill. The amendment also included new language around sexuality and a more uh, explicit mandate for parental, parental notification regarding any request by a student to identify as a gender that does not align with the student's biological sex. There was no opportunity during last week's hearing for individuals to offer public testimony in response to the new amendments. A call for testimony for Tuesday's hearing, uh, uh, Tuesday's hearing went out on Monday morning with only 3.5 hours before the deadline. A coalition of LGBTQ, 12 LGBTQ and ally organizations released a joint statement decrying the short notice and articulating specific issues with the bill. They submitted the testimony at 3.01 p.m., one minute past the deadline. Their testimony was rejected. Um, I'm going to skip ahead here just because of time. <laughs> Representative Ron Jones, uh, Republican of Freeport, extolled the virtues of the bill, highlighting the importance of parental involvement in education. He then dismissed the concerns that had been expressed by the LGBTQ advocates, which included increased safety risks for LGBTQ youth and a loss of trusted and safe adults to whom they could turn for support. Stop, stop, stop right there. I know we're low on time. First of all, it's Representative Don Jones from Freeport, not Ron Jones. So the editor there didn't get that correct. Great point. Um, but secondly, I'm going to reiterate, um, safe adults don't ask kids to keep secrets, particularly from their parents. And when you say included increased safety risks for LGBTQ plus youth, what are the increased risks? Wrapping parents into the conversation, getting parental guidance on whether they're going to get psychotherapy. Um, Bob, if a child was bulimic, we wouldn't um, ask the kid, we wouldn't give the kid a bucket and, and say, hey, walk around school with a bucket and throw up what you want. Or, hey, I know that you think you're fat, you're not, um, you have dysphoria, but we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna have that staple surgery on your stomach and we're not gonna tell your parents. It is absolute lunacy to pretend that somebody that has gender dysphoria um, would would be harmed by including a parent who might disagree um, with where they are. Go ahead. Um, the blocked testimony was signed by 12 Ohio-based LGBTQ and ally organizations. In an email accompanying their rejected public testimony, the organizational leaders articulated the troubling evolution of the bill. Quote, in the past several weeks, HB8 has been amended and transformed into a bill that would censor any mention of LGBTQ plus identities in school. The second iteration made it a full-forced outing bill, and the third iteration adopted don't say gay trans language. Jack, I'll have to stop there because we're just about out of time go ahead yeah so um it's great um I, I would point people back to the bill it ensures certain sexually related content defined by the bill is age appropriate development developmentally appropriate and notifies parents parents obviously could opt their kids in notify parents of any change in the student services including counseling services or monitoring related mental emotional or physical health or well-being uh prohibit personnel from encouraging students to withhold information concerning health or well-being from their parents, notify parents of each health service offered at the student's school, and give them the option to withhold consent or decline and specify service. Notify parents of their right to file a written concern with the district and school and establish a process to resolve the concern about topics addressed in the bill within 30 days of receipt. That's the language. It doesn't seem to me that they're trying to out kids. It seems to me that they're trying to ensure that parents are involved in the upbringing and education of their kids as they should be. Language has to matter. I think that's a great way to wrap this. This is why we love Jack Windsor. He brings a great clarity to this very important information. Jack, thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you, brother. 
That's all the time we've got today. Thanks to our guests. Thanks to our team. Thanks to you for listening. Be well, be safe, stay free. See you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.